1: the run to daylight football variety show. Almost all the gang is here this week. We're going to be short the FF couch coach. um, So he will not be blowing up the episode with his uh, segment. So that that's kind of sad because it's funny, but uh, I do have the rest of the, the, the guests you're coming to know and love. And, uh, for me anyway, it was not a very good week five as it relates to DFS. I've got a much better feeling, uh, for this week, last week, I never got comfortable. I think I mentioned it on the podcast. I feel I'm actually increased my investment this week and am not playing cash because I just think there's not really great cash lineups out there, uh, I don't want to have to be fighting through it. I, I really like the GPP aspect this week, so uh, I never do a ton of cash this week. I'm just foregoing it. Sal is here, and he is going to do our normal segment. Sal, how you doing?: Doing great tonight, Todd. How are you? I am I am very, very good and. Uh...
3: I gotta say, I never get tired of listening to that. I really. I, I, do, I don't
1: either. I, you know, I created these little uh, the, the vignettes to open the show, little songs, because uh, a, I thought they were funny, and b, I thought they were cool, and uh, it's actually one of my favorite parts of the show.
3: Good stuff. Good stuff. When just when they come looking for us to pay the copyrights, you know, you never saw me.
1: No, no. Um, yeah, is that a thing?
3: I don't have any idea. Who cares? We're having fun. Yeah,
1: and uh, yeah, yeah, we're certainly not making any money.
3: <laughs>
1: not at all. So, um, you know, I got in a little trouble last week.
4: I heard. The, yes. I yeah, heard the it.
1: Department of Start-Sit was very, very upset that we didn't do this, the, the mandatory Start-Sit segment, um, that all... Uh, you know shows like this seemingly have to do and uh i was fined one demerit and told to really get on it so why don't we get it out of the way so i don't forget again this week sal um you've got the questions from our our loyal listeners and uh and syncopants and uh let's uh let's see what's out there for start set
3: yeah we got some good stuff this week we got some uh Some people, some of the the folks at home might know these people. Let's start off with Dre Daniels from California. Dre would like to know.
1: Is is his house on fire? I
3: I hope not.
1: Uh That's fucked up. I I mean, I think (laughs) that, you know, one of the guys who writes for Rotoviz, Josh Ersmeyer, I mean, his whole neighborhood was destroyed and his his house was spared. I mean, can you, I I mean, I can't even imagine that.
3: Yeah, there's some crazy stories coming out of there. Like uh, a couple who spent six hours in the pool to survive while their house burned down, while they watched it burn down. Just some crazy, insane stuff that goes on in different parts of this country. And um, you know, for those of you that are that are affected by it, we send our best. And for those of you who are spared, you know, obviously you've been blessed already. So um, let's get back yeah, to the
1: I don't know how we got on that tangent, but. Uh... That that that's some crazy crap. Um so back to back to um away from real life and and let's get back to uh Dre Daniels from California.
3: He wants to know, and this is great that he's got this choice. Who should he start? Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady this week?
1: Wow, he's got Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady on his team, huh? Um well I think he should go to Fantasy Pros and look at all the experts. Or buy a subscription for thirty dollars and and figure out his league rules and uh, and decide who he wants to start. Sit. Uh, who's next?
3: Uh, Peter Piper from Pittsburgh would like to know if wait he should pick Jabril as yes, Peter Piper. Really? He... Yes, P- Peter Piper himself. He would like to know. I think I know where this. Jabril... Go ahead. Should he pick Jabril Peppers or Peck Marcus Peters? I pick one.
1: <laughs> so Peter Piper wants to know if he should pick peppers.
3: Yes, Jabril peppers, you know. Should you pick the Jabril peppers? Should you peck a Marcus <laughs> well, Peters? Well I'm gonna break peppers. my rule and
1: say, Yes, um, you should definitely pick peppers. <laughs> <laughs> well there
3: you go It's the first legitimate answer He's given here it picking, I got, it How do you resist peppers.
1: Peter Piper When he wants to know if he should pick peppers
3: Yeah I knew you'd break It, it took it took an old classic to break you down
1: Todd uh, uh, Oh and he should also go to Fantasy Bros. <laughs> We're, we're,
3: we're going to wrap it up With another uh, another one of your old time favorites Mr. Elber Fudd From Wisconsin Elmer would really appreciate advice on who to pick between Bugs Bunny or Daffy Duck to shoot for dinner.
1: (laughs) I'm going to break my rule again and say it's Elmer season. So um, look (laughs) out, Elmer. They're coming for you. So that'll do it for our start-sit segment. I think it was just as good and informative and that the people have probably learned just as much out of it as they do any week. And uh, we, we can talk about some of the big news going on in the NFL. Um, I, I don't think there's any bigger news out there right now than Ezekiel Elliott, his suspension. It looks like it's looming again. They're trying to, uh, overturn it, not overturn it, but delay it one more time. But the the, the court in Texas, I think it was by a vote of two to one, said that, um, you know, they refused to. uh... Anyway, he's about to get suspended unless something changes. (laughs) How's that? Instead of me trying to figure out what the hell really is going on. uh, For fantasy purposes, he's the, the, the suspension is looming. And the big question out there is, who do you pick up if you, if he, you know, McFadden, Morris, Rod Smith? I mean, what, you have any read on what the Cowboys are going to do here?
3: Yeah, well, first of all, I think the benefit we have here is that they're on their bye week.
1: So if you're a Zeke owner and
3: uh, you, you have one more week, you're already expecting not to happen this week anyway. So you got a little bit of time to see what they decide because it's like a soap opera. It flip-flops every day. Uh, for me, uh, the one league that I own them in, I was able to grab both guys off waivers right away. So that's good. But I, I don't know. We've seen this a lot lately in the NFL where the guy who's actually the legitimate fill-in, if, say, the person gets injured or suspended, he doesn't dress during the week. We've had that happen last year with Cameron on his pain, backing up um, Job and Stewart. We've seen it in a few other places. So, I know Matthew Perry has been saying for the longest time. It's, DeMar- it's uh, not DeMarco Murray, I'm sorry. It is uh, Darren McFadden, so you should grab him. I think it's a wait and see, Todd. I don't really have a good read on it. Uh, Morris has been playing. Morris has played well when he gets in there. got a feeling you're going to see a little bit of everybody. Rod Smith is probably the guy I want the least uh, for the immediate future. So, if you have the opportunity to add any of them, add them. I, I'm gonna wait a week and give you my best uh, best answer next next weekend.
1: Yeah, I could kick myself in the in the in the groin a little bit because I had like a hundred and fifteen dollar bid, had like five hundred bid bucks left, and um and and he and I think I and I lowered it, and he went for seventy five only, um to oh, wow. to in in my big yeah. F B G league. To uh, this is one of my favorite names of team names of uh, the year. Uh, this guy named his team Whiskey. Gave Wendell Smallwood.
3: <laughs> uh, you gotta love when they give us a, a player like Wendell Smallwood, huh? They, we just feel so honored to to, to have the, a, a great name like Wendell Smallwood that we can make make team names out of. Sometimes he's good yep. to
1: us. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess that would make Legarrett Blunt big wood.
3: (laughs) He's definitely been laying the big wood the last couple of weeks. Uh,
1: Speaking of uh, guys who can lay the big wood, um, I know you were pretty high on Adrian Peterson coming into the season. And I imagine you're pretty ecstatic because you, it sounds like you do have a good bit of him. Uh, You know, He's been moved. He's going to Arizona in the trade, freeing up the running back value as well in New Orleans. Uh, You're asking the question, do we play both Ingram and Kamara going forward, and who is the one you want more? Yeah, well,
3: I honestly think that both guys could be, give you weekly RB2 numbers, you know, in season-long leagues. Uh, if it's a PPR league, I definitely want Kamara. I think the guy you want the most is Kamara, but I think you can get value out of both of them. Um, they've, they've talked about how much they like Kamara. They've, the, the game before the bye week in London against Miami, it, it was a Kamara game. They, they, they threw him 10 receptions. On, he, he caught all 10 on 10 targets, 71 yards and a touchdown. He had another 25 yards on five carries, and they're excited about him. And now there'll be more touches available for him now that AP is out of there. But, you know, you can't forget Ingram. Ingram is getting the highest snap count of any of the three running backs, uh, you know, coming out of the first four games. He's not going to go away. I think there's excellent value in both players, but I think where you were probably able to get Kamara and what his value is in in weekly DFS currently, he's the better value and I think the better play.
1: Yeah, I like them both this week. Uh, I'll talk more about that in my segment with the mauler. I've got uh, a unique way that I'm handling that this week, uh, and I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to uh, go too deep into it before that segment. Uh, but I, I, I don't know that I, and I love Kamara. I own a good. I got twenty shares in MFL tens out of one hundred and fifty. And I've I've got like a forty percent, forty five percent in my F uh, in my FFPC leagues, including that FBG league that I just told you about. That that's going to help uh, mitigate some of those injuries I might have mentioned to you earlier in the year that I've had on that team. So I'm really high on Kamara, uh, but I, I I'm also high on Ingram, and I I really think it's going to be a hot hand approach, which again is why I'm using tomorrow the approach that I'm going to talk about with Mahler. Um But before we move on, uh, you know, you mentioned that you really like AP. Uh, what, what do you make of him going there? And do you really see any value behind that offensive line?
3: Yeah, the offensive line is not good, right? But it, it wasn't stopping us from drafting David Johnson, number one overall uh, everywhere this year. Now, obviously a younger player, uh, you know, with more youth in those legs. But here's how I look at it. If you drafted him and you still have him, then this, there couldn't be a better situation than him getting out of New Orleans. That was just – there was nothing going to happen from there. So the way I look at it is nobody has thrown more passes this year than Carson Palmer, and that has not been good for the Arizona offense. So I think on volume alone, he's, he's a good play, probably a good RB2 type of play on a weekly basis. If he was available, then you absolutely pick him up. If you held on to him, then maybe you wait a week to see what he looks like tomorrow. But with bi-weeks, you might not be able to do that. Maybe you got Zeke and he's out. But I think that he's going to want to prove a point. I think that he wanted to prove a point this year in New Orleans and did not get that chance. And now he's got even more of uh, an axe to grind because of the way his season started. So I think that if you still have him, you could get good things from him. He's not going to finish as a top 10 running back this year, unfortunately, but I still have the faith that he has something left in those legs.
1: Yeah. And, and I had a good bit of him early in MFL tens when he landed in new Orleans, I stopped. So I'm, I'm even weight pretty much there. I don't own him much in my FFPC best balls at all. And I don't have any of him in season longer dynasty. And, you know, I like Adrian Peterson, and I hate to say this, but he looks washed. Now, he, he didn't look good last year, and he, you know, before the injury, the year before, second half, he didn't look that good. And he certainly hasn't looked good when he, you know, you could really tell the difference between Ingram, Kamara, and Peterson in New Orleans. Um, I really think it comes down to whether they're going to put a fullback in front of him and let him run the way he does best. If you're going to play the spread, you know, it's, I think it's those, you know, it's been proven he just doesn't run well that way. Um, I I think he's washed, but there's a little bit of me that thinks he, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked much like Freddy uh, or any other of these uh, Halloween type uh, villains that he might have one more scare left in him.
3: Well, for those of us who own them, let's hope that you're right.
1: Moving on to our next subject, the Bucks are giving up 48.3 PPR points per game to wide receivers. Should we start every Arizona wide receiver that's breathing? Speaking of the Cardinals, <laughs> yeah,
3: I, I know, I know that I'm going to be. I, I got, I got quite a bit of Jaron Brown uh, a few weeks back. I didn't, I can't tell you I drafted him anywhere, but when. When John Brown was out and they looked like they were going that direction, I got a ton of him. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald is a given this week. You get him in. But, but yeah, a week ago uh, against, the, uh, against the New England Patriots, they gave up a, a wide receiver 7, a wide receiver 18, and a wide receiver 23. So it's, it's been proven that you can, you can pass on this, on this team. And multiple guys in an offense could put up big numbers. So when you got three guys finishing the top 24, one offense, and you've got guy, an offense that's passing more than anybody in the league, yeah, John Brown's healthy, John Brown's playing, Jerron Brown is in there, Larry Fitz, and
1: Andre Ellington.
3: Andre Ellington is a guy I think we spoke about uh, last week. It's, he's looked phenomenal two weeks in a row of nine receptions. And uh, he's uh, he's number nine, I think, the last three weeks in in PPR running back. So if you got a guy who catches the ball in Arizona, put him in your lineup this week.
1: Yeah, I think for season long, definitely. The only one that I really I have a little bit of Palmer for DFS, and I have a little bit more than a little of John Brown. I, I, ultimately, I think for the value on DraftKings. He's the guy you want. He's the guy who has the big game upside. And I I don't think it's a mistake if you want to play a good bit of Carson Palmer because he's throwing the ball so many times. If you want to play him naked at 6,100 hours on DraftKings, I don't think that's a bad uh, idea.
3: Yeah, I can't argue. I have him in a few lineups myself already. So plenty of goodness coming out of this game.
1: Last thing for you today, and uh, it's been a big uh, Cardinals day for the Sal segment. Across the way, the Cardinals have given up four receiving touchdowns of 37-plus yards this season, which is amazing when you consider that Patrick Peterson has given up literally nothing this year. Um, Justin Bethel has been the victim most often this week. It's Deshaun Jackson. Are you on Deshaun Jackson? Uh, and if so, how much so?
3: Yeah, I, I am really on Deshaun Jackson this week. And on top of that, Patrick Peterson is questionable with a knee issue. I'm sure he'll play, but he's going to be hobbled. So, you know, we know he'll be covering more Mike Evans. But yeah, they've given up a 45 yarder to Galladay, a 37 yarder to Bryce Butler, and a week ago a 59-yard of the Torrey Smith, and 72, the Nelson Aguilar, all for touchdowns. And uh, you go back and look at the Sean Jackson, there has been nobody in the last decade who's put up touch, you know, 40-yard-plus touchdowns like him, 24 40-yard-plus touchdowns in his career. If you have the chance to put him in a lineup this week, do it. If you drafted him in season long, this is the week you've been waiting for. Do not leave him on the bench. Look at some of those guys drafted higher and realize – he is a really, really
1: good start this week. Yep. I, uh, I've got a good bit of him in DFS this week. And my, the only concern is, Sal, that Jameis Winston's had him open a number of times and has overthrown him. Uh, that's my only concern. And it's a concern not only for Deshaun Jackson this week, but for J- Jameis Winston in general, Everyone was expecting him to see a huge bump this year. And so far, we just haven't seen that bump out of Jameis Winston. Yeah,
3: I'm not a Winston guy. I never have been. I like his personality. If you watch the hard knocks uh, with him this past summer, he's a good teammate. He's a good uh, rah-rah guy. He gets you going. And I love that aspect of him, but he has not – turn the corner yet on stakes and, and turnovers and, and just making the bad play at the wrong time. I guess there's never a good time for a bad play, but I can't say I disagree with you there, and that could be the one thing that holds him back, but um, I'm willing to take the shot at getting him in there this week, because there's a chance he could go for two of these things.
1: Yeah. Um, that is... Um, you know, but again, if teams aren't you know, don't worry about you being dangerous with the deep pass and they challenge you to beat them deep and you can't, you know, that's never a good thing. Uh, As far as Winston's personality, you know, I don't know. I mean, I get what you're saying. I, I, I I find him a little disingenuous at times, but um, you know, he certainly has the respect of all his teammates And it really is just an issue of him getting his act together uh, on the field, as he certainly seems to have gotten his act together off the field. Um, I really like those segments with his, I don't know if it was his wife or his girlfriend, but uh, I thought that was some of the best parts of Hard Knocks.
3: Yeah, I believe it was his uh, his girl. I don't believe he's married yet, but uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Those shows. Sounds like they've been together a while, though. Yeah, it was like a high school thing, actually. Maybe, maybe a college or something along those lines. But
1: yeah, and, and he does seem like a good dude. Um, you know, in, in a lot of ways, no doubt about that. But uh, yep, that's uh, that's pretty much gonna do it for our segment with South. South, thanks as always for uh, for joining me and helping to kick off the variety show.
3: Always, a, always a pleasure to be here, Todd. Enjoy your Sunday football, everybody.
1: All right, so that brings us to guest number two, the mauler. Welcome to the show once again, the Motown Mauler, Jay Bach. How you doing, buddy? Hey, Todd, how are you? Why don't you know I forget sometimes. Why don't you tell people how they can find you on Twitter?
2: Yeah, yeah. you can find me on Twitter by simply putting Motown Mauler in the search or uh, my direct name that's at J-B-A-C-H, jbach Bach, one, four, J-B-A-C-H, one, four, or type in the Motown mauler and you'll find me and uh, I'll answer any questions that you have regarding fantasy.
1: Awesome. Awesome. And I know you will. So this, you know, I'm pretty excited to play this slate and um, I'm not playing cash. I I really feel like it's a GPP week.
2: Yeah, I've been really liking the 20 max games. I'm going to continue in that and like you, I'm really excited about the opportunities this week. Um, I'm looking to save money probably in the running backs this week and, and you know, just see how, how it pans out.
1: Yep, I am doing something I've never done before. I'm playing 20 max in the play action, and I've got those same 20 lineups in the Millie Maker. I've never doubled up like that before. I I, I have a pretty good feeling this week, and I I don't know that I'll win a million, but I certainly, well, I I know the odds of me winning a million are very small, but I certainly would love to go pretty deep in the tournament this week and uh, make some profits after a couple off weeks. Um, Where are you at uh, on the quarterback position this week? Why don't you give us your high end, your medium end, your low end, and the contrarian? Well, I
2: like Tom Brady up top. Um, You know, even though game script says they'll run it, uh, there's real no game script with Belichick, you know. He might let uh, Brady throw it 50 times. Who knows? So I I like Brady up top, down in the middle. Um, I like Kirk Cousins. I feel like he's going to be the chalk. Um, And I like Deshaun Watson right under him. Uh, Going down to the lower price guys, I'm going to take Ben Roethlisberger as my contrarian. He did throw five interceptions last week. He's at Kansas City, which he's uh, terrible on the road, we all know, and Kansas City's a rough environment. So that'll be my very, very contrarian pick. And then my low price guy I like this week is is, uh, Case Keenum. I know Diggs is out, but I'm, I'm wanting to play a few lineups with Keenum. Uh, along with Adam Thielen and uh, a lot uh, along with Kyle Rudolph this week. So, those are my quarterbacks. I hope you uh, agree with at least one of them.
1: I definitely agree with one of them, and it, that's Tom Brady. I, I think Breeze is going to get the ownership. Right now, I'm looking and I'm seeing Tom Brady, you know, right around five to seven percent ownership. And you know, anytime you get a chance to get Tom Brady against a bad defense, the Jets are three and two, but they've played Jacksonville and a couple other teams that, you know, really aren't that good. And now they they get Tom Brady and uh you know, I, my only concern is that AC joint, and yeah, they could, you know, any any week, they could get the ball down to the three-yard line and let Jill, Gillis Lee get a couple touchdowns. But Brady's my high-end guy. Uh, my mid-price guy is Kirk Cousins. He is uh, 6,800, and I think that he is a very good choice. I don't have as much of him as I... Did early in the week, but uh, because they do seem to be running the ball more this year, low end Kevin Hogan, 4,600, a minimum play, you know, people are going to look at Houston. I don't expect him to be super low owned. Um, In fact, right now, it looks like he might be 10%, which is probably higher. If I knew he was going to be that much, I might not have gone that heavy. Um, But, uh, you know, he's got good legs. And forty six hundred, you really don't need a ton. And Houston lost JJ Watt, uh Merciless. They've already downed the the steroid dude out of USC. Uh Boye's not there anymore. Vince Wilfork's not there anymore. Uh I I I'm gonna I'm gonna play a little bit of Hogan cheap and I I, I guess Brady was also my contrarian play, because again, he just doesn't have much ownership this week. So on to the running backs.
2: Okay, well, running backs up top, I'm looking at Fournette. Um, You know, he's been solid every week. Rams rush defense isn't great, so uh, I like him in that spot. Uh, If you're looking to pivot off him, I also like Melvin Gordon, who's only $200 cheaper. But I'm looking um, down in the lower price range at running uh, at running back this week. I really like Buck Allen at 5,400. Uh, he's getting you know tons of red zone touches, tons of targets out of the backfield, and now he's going to get the bulk of the carries with West out. Um, I think uh, Ellington is, is still in play with all of the receptions that he gets. We know that Adrian Peterson isn't going to get a lot of uh, balls thrown to him, so I still like Ellington. Uh, same for Duke Johnson. These running backs on DraftKings that can catch the ball are PPR killers, so uh, any of those guys, but I really like Buck Allen. Um, I really like uh, Jerick McKinnon this week, and I really like uh, Elijah McGuire. I know Forte's back, but I think, uh, again, the Patriots are going to be uh, ahead in that game. They're going to have to throw, and I think McGuire is uh, the guy you want um, in that Jets backfield because he'll catch the ball.
1: I, uh, we've got a lot of different names, which, you know, which points to exactly why I'm not playing cash this week. Um, I, uh, on the high end, I like uh, Kareem Hunt. Uh, Pittsburgh has gotten gashed by Fournette, and there was one other game where they got gashed by a running back. Uh, I also like Todd Gurley to bounce back this week. Uh, but the guy I really like, and he's one of my two running back contrarian plays. I really like Le'Veon Bell. Anytime you can get Le'Veon Bell at 10% ownership, which is about where I think he's going to come in. Um, I think that, uh, you know, you, you, you know, and he plays better on the road. Uh, historically, uh, like some someone, one of the guys I was listening to this week, I wish I could remember who, Said 70% of his touchdowns in his career are on the road, so I I really like Le'Veon Bell as, this week, in the middle of the pack. I've come on to Jordan Howard and Doug Martin later in the week. Uh, again, guys that I think no one's going to be on that. If you could put 10-15% on these guys, and uh, you know have a nice advantage on the field. I also do like Javorius Allen although I am fearful of Alex Collins. Um, And in the low end, I don't like McKinnon. He's let people down too many times, but I am all over these New Orleans running backs. I like Ingram. I like Kamara. I, I will have more of either one of them than any player I've had this season. The Lions have not been that good against the run, and now they – I mean, they haven't been terrible, but they haven't really faced too many great running backs. And now Haloti Nada is out for the season. He's, been, he's their best run stuffer, as far as I can tell. Uh, you would know better than me, Maul, or being from Motown. But um, I am super high in a home game, uh, you know. And then my contrarian, other contrarian play behind Bell – is to play both Ingram and Kamara in a certain amount of lineups. If you look at what they did the last time out in London, uh, Kamara had 25 points and Ingram had around 11. So that's 36 points. And you and I have done this before um, with centers in basketball, where you really don't know which one's going to go off on a given day. But when the salaries get low enough, you play them both. If I can get 35 points again... For $8,900, I think that's a win, and I think they've got upside behind besides that. What do you think of that play, Mauler?
2: Well, that's why I consider us the Batman and Robin of, uh, you know, DFS, because I have Kamara second on my running back list, and I totally missed him. And you picked me up and, and mentioned him. But, yeah, the Lions are also, um, you know, giving up, uh, I think it's top four, um in receiving yards to running back, too. And uh, Kamara's just going to go off tomorrow. So we do agree on that. And like I said, uh, we're Batman and Robin because I missed that and you picked me up. So love those ideas. And uh, uh, thanks for picking up my fumble.
1: <laughs> no worries, man. I, I, I love playing them together. Uh, I think that, that you know that could be huge. And it's yeah. a nice way, you know, because most people are trying to, you know, I've heard a lot of pods this week. And there's the Kamara guys and there's the Ingram guys, and I just I just don't think there's going to be that many people playing them both. Um, on to the wide receivers. Well,
2: I like uh, Antonio Brown up top just because I think Pittsburgh is going to have to throw a ton. Um, you move down, I like DeAndre Hopkins at 8100. I think he stays hot. Um, after that, I move down to the mid price range where I'm liking Chris Hogan but I like uh Larry Fitzgerald at 6800 200 less than Hogan a lot more. Uh Tampa Bay's just been awful against the pass and uh we know Fitzgerald gets uh you know usually the most amount of targets in the league. So I'm very comfortable playing Fitz this week. Uh Diggs is out so I like Adam Thielen to get a ton of targets so I like him at that price. Like Jarvis Landry and uh uh I guess my uh, low-owned and, you know, just outside-the-box crazy play of the week is going to be Amari Cooper. I think he has, what, uh, four total points the last few weeks. I think he has more drops than points. But Derek Carr's back, and I'm hoping that uh, we can grab him at low ownership this week and maybe he has his first, uh, you know, huge week of the season.
1: Yeah, I like Cooper when I thought no one would be on him. And now that I think people are going to be on him, I'm more likely to go Crabtree in that matchup, but I'll have some Cooper Uh, up top for me is Julio this week Uh, coming out of the bye with no Muhammad Sanu. I know there's some injury concerns and his ownership's not going to be light, but uh, uh, Julio's my guy up top Uh, Hopkins. I'm going to be underweight on Uh, Keenan Allen is kind of a tweener. He's not high. He's not medium. 7,900 against an Oakland defense that's beatable with David Amerson, probably out. Um, He's a target hound. And, you know, I I, I think Keenan's going to be low owned. I like him a lot this week. Uh, Moving down to the mid range, Tyreek Hill. Um, I mean, he is a guy who can go for 25, 30 points. And I don't think he's going to get much ownership He's not much more money than Adam Thielen, who I was on more before the Diggs injury. Um, I just think that the Vikings have had a couple dog games in them. And just because Keenum was able to, you know, have one good game and played well against Chicago, I had a little Keenum at one point, and then I took him out. Um, Also in the mid range, I like Deshaun Jackson. And, and my low price guy, who I think could really, you know, I'll have him in at least one lineup with Kamara and uh, Ingram, is uh, your boy Kenny Galladay, unless you talk me out of it. Um, you know, if you want a guy to play back in the, uh, you know, I've heard Tate's name, I've heard Marvin Jones' name, but Kenny Galladay has two-touchdown potential any game. And um, I I think he is, you know, I'm not going to have a lot, but I think he is my favorite of the sneaky, low-priced players. I'll also throw out Jamison Crowder and Ricardo Lewis in the lower price point. Thoughts on Galladay Moeller.
2: Yeah, I I think Galladay is a good play. You know, he's coming off a hamstring issue, but uh, they say he's 100% ready to go. So we'll see. You know, keep an eye in the morning. Make sure that's true. And I think uh, that's a great play because once they get down in the red zone, um, they kind of look for him. And especially uh, the last few games that he's been out, uh, they've they've given more snaps to Fells and, and thrown Fells more balls over Ebron. So I think with Galladay coming back, though, they'll, they'll really like that big body to throw to down in the red zone.
1: Yep, I I think so. Uh, Tight end, and uh, we'll have to move the tight end a little quicker.
2: Yeah, um, well, I'll go through the top. Uh, I really love Travis Kelsey this week. Uh, Got knocked out for concussion last week. Could have had an even bigger game. He almost had 100 yards by halftime. So I love Kelsey again this week. I think Jordan Reed's a good play with Cousins. You mentioned Hunter Henry last week, which was a great call. So I'll mention him this week, forty-one hundred. Then my favorite lower price play um, of the week is Kyle Rudolph.
1: Yeah, I uh, I might have a little too much Rudolph, but he, uh, you know, Thielen's going to get the ownership. Rudolph, though, got the increase in workload after the injury. I definitely think he is worth having. I love the Kels call. Uh, and then in the lower price, I really like both David in Joku and Zach Miller in Joku has scored three touch, a touchdown in three straight weeks. He has not been getting a ton of, uh, targets, which is worrisome, but the dude is a freak. And with the new quarterback, I'm going to say that they figure it out. And, uh, David and Joku is going to be really, really sneaky. Um, Zach Miller won't be as sneaky, but um, they really don't have too many people to throw to. And Baltimore is weakest against the tight end. So Zach Miller, if I had played cash, Zach Miller would have been my, uh, my tight end uh, in, in cash. Uh, On to the defense.
2: Uh, well, I like both the, the top price teams, Houston uh, at home against Cleveland. I know we talked about them losing Watt and some other guys, but uh, it is Cleveland, and they are at home, so I like them. Uh, same with the Ravens. They're facing a rookie quarterback and Trubisky, uh, who looked pretty good, uh, I have to admit, on Monday. But you know rookie quarterbacks are prone to turnover, so I think the Ravens are uh, in for a decent matchup there. Uh, moving down to mid-price, um, I wouldn't mind taking a stab with Kansas City. As you, uh, I mentioned earlier, Roethlisberger, terrible on the road, five interceptions last week, so Chiefs at 3,200 are an option. Um, uh, moving down, if you just want to kind of punt, uh, you know, and, and just hope maybe you can take a shot with uh, – somebody like uh, the buccaneers against Arizona at 2600. You always say Palmer is uh turnover prone, so they'll be my uh contrarian play, uh cheap play. The buccaneers versus uh Carson Palmer and uh the Cardinals.
1: Yep, I think those are all good calls. I'm going to throw in on the upper end the Jaguars. They're the number 1 defense in fantasy yeah. this year. And and um you know, Jared Goff is, you know, he's played pretty well, and they put him in good spots, but he's still a young quarterback. Um, they can put pressure on him. They can get turnovers. Um, I, I think when I've gone up top this week, I, I started on Baltimore, moved to the Jaguars. Um, I like Kansas City and the Rams at 3,200 more than anyone else. And I got to say, I really don't like too many defenses this week. I'm playing Tampa in the lower end, and I can't say that I like them much, uh, but I'm doing it and holding my nose. And uh, 2,500 for the Oakland defense. Phillip Rivers has been pretty turnover prone. They'll be a low-owned defense. And Cleveland at 2,300, you know, as good as Watson is, he's also a rookie. And at 2300 really, how much do you need? Um, So when I've had to go that low, that's who I've used. Any final thoughts on uh, anything we've discussed, Mauler? No, no.
2: I just, uh, uh, like I said, I appreciate you picking up my fumble on Kamara. And I think we gave uh, the listeners great information as usual, and they'll be set for a profitable day tomorrow.
1: Awesome. That was the Mauler, everyone. Uh, Mauler, if I don't win a million, I hope you do.
2: Yep, and if I don't win a million, I hope you do.
1: <laughs> I'll talk to you later.
2: Take care. All good right. So
1: uh, that was the Mauler, and uh, now uh, my taped interview. It's really good this week um, with Doctor Budoff. Um, let me let me get his music, and then and then I'll explain.
5: I need you.
1: All right, so normally this is where I'd say please welcome to the show Dr. Budoff, and I'd hit the the button, but I want to preface it a little bit. If you haven't heard, oh, his music wants to come back on. There we go. Um, So where was I? Where I was was um, you really listen to this because – the doc gets into ACL injuries and kind of ways to tell who might come back from them better or not. Uh, so I thought that was a really, really interesting segment with the doc. So um, without further ado, here's his segment. Please welcome to the show once again, Dr. Jeffrey Budoff. Doc, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Todd. Awesome. Well, uh, we'll get right to it this week. I want to talk a little bit about, about the Odo Beckham injury. Obviously, it is a pretty devastating injury for fantasy owners. Uh, but for dynasty owners, is there any long-term concern with this injury?
5: Well, he has uh, a syndesmotic disruption. What that means in English, the two bones of the foreleg meaning below the knee between the knee and the ankle, they're held by these ligaments called the syndesmosis. And he sprained that in the preseason and that when you sprain those ligaments, it's called a high ankle sprain, and that takes longer. He got back, he looked good, but he re injured his plump And what happens when you twist the yeah, foot yeah. to the outside, those ligaments shear and then the force can exit through the fibula, the small bone in the foreleg, and basically it fractures. So now that's got to be fixed. And as you know, he's an injured reserve. He's done for the year. Uh, He should be okay next year. He might lose a little bit of quickness and agility. That is possible, but he'll probably be fine. Mariota came off something like that. Um, And he looked up pretty good until this hamstring injury. The only flaw in the ointment is if he has a cartilage injury or chondral injury or cartilage damage, and then you get a prearthritic state like Latavius Murray, and then you get the swelling and the pain with prolonged use and a problem. So the fracture and the ligaments will heal. It really depends on whether or not he has a cartilage injury, and I can't answer that right now. You know, is it, you know a Giants fan, my fingers are crossed for him.
1: So there's a, there is some concern for the longer term then. Uh, we don't know for sure, but if you're a dynasty owner, um, you're going to be a little bit uneasy until we see him next year. What makes him so unbelievable is his explosiveness, and that's why I asked the question.
5: Yeah, it remains to be seen. Hopefully he'll be fine. You know, it's just it depends on what is injured that I can't know right now.
1: All right, uh, next player that we're going to discuss this week is going to play. Uh, it's Tom Brady. He's got an AC joint injury on his non-throwing shoulder. Um, how much could that limit Brady, and do you think that it's the type of injury that if they get ahead, they're just going to run the ball more?
5: Well, it's a mild AC joint sprain in his left non-throwing shoulder, an MRI was reportedly negative. You know, he said he got it week four, not last week, and he played week five fine as far as I could tell. I think he'll be fine, I really do.
1: Awesome. Um, One guy who's not fine, and, you you know, he's a very polarizing player. I happen to like him a lot. He certainly has just blown up all the metrics for defensive ends and tackles. Uh, his first couple years in the league, but now he's been injured a couple years in a row, is J.J. J. Watt. He had a very unique injury that you don't hear of much. What was that injury, and how does that affect both his ability to possibly come back for the playoffs this year or next year?
5: Todd, this is a bad injury. He fractured his tibial plateau. That's the floor of the knee joint. Uh, his ligaments were reportedly okay. And, you know, just uh, for perspective, he would have been much better off than anterior crucial ligament tear. Uh, this is definitely worse. He's, uh, he's on injured reserve. He's done for the year. Um, Six-month timeline to return. And his future depends, again, like Odell Beckham, on how much cartilage injury he has. But he has some cartilage injury with this fracture not like Odell, who may not have any. He does, and this will lead to some permanent, you know, limitations. Um, You know, if I may say so, he wasn't 100% in this year. Anyway, coming off back surgeries, um, he had four full games. He recorded 11 tackles, four assists, and no sacks. So it's not his usual elite status. You know, the difference between elite and, you know, pretty good, is just, a, you know, just half a step, a quarter a step. You know, the fracture, then the surgery caused significant scar. He's going to have, and I know he's going to work out crazy to get back and to maximize everything, but he's a human being. And people forget that these are still biologic creatures. There will be some small degree of permanent stiffness and quadriceps weakness, and he's going to lose a little bit of speed and a little bit of power. In addition, he can get some pre-arthritis, sort of like Sam Bradford, who I think we'll be discussing, too. Um, you know, Sam Bradford had not Yeah, let's a, a transition fracture. over to Sam. Okay, well, it's going to be the same thing as J.J. Watt. Um, you know, you have some cartilage damage, and the stress causes swelling and soreness and stiffness. It can limit practice, participation, his in-game endurance, the number of snaps he can see per game, and the longevity of his career. You know, that's what Bradford's going through right now. You know? Remember when they said it was a bone bruise and I said something smelled and we're not getting the whole story? Absolutely. Well they finally admitted it was it was quote unquote wear and tear. That means a cartilage injury, not a bone bruise. And again, he needs to calm it down. It's gonna be a few weeks. I mean you just you just gotta see how it is. He tried to get back, he couldn't protect himself. You know, when that cartilage gets flared up because, you know, it's sufficient, you get this pre-arthritic state or mild arthritis, you know, it can be rough. And that's what J.J. Watt may go through.
1: Yeah, and it's funny, uh, not that J.J. Watt has an ACL, but Sam Bradford had two on the same knee. Doctors like yourself have gotten so good at getting people back that people forget that these injuries still do have a chance of flaring up. And it's one of the reasons why I'm always very hesitant to draft uh, players coming back off injury unless I get a discount in fantasy football.
5: Well, here's the thing. When you tear your ACL, it's not like somebody goes in with a scalpel and just cuts the ligament and leaves everything else alone. Your knee rotates enough to shear the ACL in two. And that rotation injures a cartilage. There's usually some degree of cartilage damage from the injury that caused the ACL. And Bradford had two. So he had some degree of cartilage injury, then another, you know, degree of cartilage injury, and he's paying the price now. As opposed to Adrian Peterson, when he had his, his surgeon said it looked like, a, you know, a child's knee. Adrian Peterson came back so quick because he had no cartilage injury associated with it. He must have just, had enough force on his injury to tear the ACL and nothing more, whereas usually there's a little bit of extra force. So now the ACL is gone, the protector of the knee is gone and the extra force goes into damaging the cartilage. So again, the degree of cartilage damage you have, you know, really affects how quickly you come back from the ACL, how you do coming back from the ACL and any future problems from the injury that caused the
1: ACL. That, that is great information, doc. Now, Typically, is that information available to the public or, or, you know, I just remember us hearing in the most case, either it's an ACL tear or they'll say ACL with other ligament damage. But you really almost never hear them say that there is ACL with some cartilage. And is there any way for a smart fan to kind of understand exactly what went into an ACL tear?
5: Uh, well, they can listen to your podcast, and we just talked about it.
1: No, what but, I mean uh, is you know, when, when a guy's coming no, back from it. Yeah.
5: yeah, no, I was kidding. Um, here's the thing. Again, like Sam Bradford, they don't want to admit cartilage injury. And the doctors are the patient's doctor. That athlete is a patient, and they're on his side. They're there to help protect him. So that's their first priority. So they, you know, once you have cartilage damage admitted, then people know his longevity will be less, and that he might be limited. And then when you're trying to negotiate your next contract, it, it comes up and you have issues and you quote unquote damaged goods. So they try to keep that on the hush hush. It was only when Adrian Peterson's surgeon after that said it looked like a kid's knee or baby's knee or whatever phrase he used that you knew he was going to come back quick. So they're not going to tell you when there is, but they'll often err on the positive side and tell you a lot when there's not, if that makes sense.
1: Right. And, and, the, but even then, I, uh, a lot of the, what you can figure out is by how quickly they're getting back. And, y- you know, you, he- you tend to hear reports, right? You know, like with Andrew Luck this year, it, you know, even though we didn't know exactly what was wrong, we knew the timeline wasn't sounding right. So I, I, from what you're telling me, what I need to keep my ear out for is if it's an ACL tear and it's 10 months later and the guys like uh, Giovanni Bernard this year, there was not one report that there was any issue you know, with him in the offseason and he's fine. It's when you hear these reports or a guy says, oh, I'm just going to rest it for a couple days or we're going to take it slow with him. Those a lot of times sound like code words, and it's often those are the people who have the issues.
5: Yeah, you know, an ACL should get back in six to nine months. Um, If it's nine months and things aren't going well, there is something else going on.
1: Yep, great info, Doc. Uh, Last guy we're going to talk about again has been uh, ruled out for this week. It's Stefan Diggs with his groin injury. Um, we haven't talked about groin injuries yet, and those are almost like hamstring injuries in the way that they can be really annoying. Um, any thoughts on Diggs?
5: Yeah, you know, Diggs has a history of injury dating back to college, and that's actually why he fell in the NFL draft. You know, they said he was put outside this year, reduced the pounding of going over the middle, and he knows he's injury prone. He says, you know, as we discussed, you know, he's going to work out to avoid that. But I, I don't think that. You know, I was kind of skeptical when he said that. I didn't really draft him for this reason, and you know, it proves that. Uh, you know, the proof's in the pudding. He re-injured it, and this will definitely limit his effectiveness. You know, he had a groin injury week four last year in 2016, playing the Giants. And it just messes with him for the whole year. His statistics are in his fantasy production are much worse when he's on the injury report. For example, when he's not on the injury report, he averages and I looked this up: 8.1 receptions for 91.1 yards. Now, when he is on the injury report, that goes down to 3.8 receptions for 34.8 yards. So, you know, losing well over half of his fantasy production. Um, the groin. You know, the technically the adductor muscles, those are the major generators of force for your legs to get speed, explosion, acceleration to enable you to get downfield quickly. And they're big muscles and when you strain them, I don't know if you've ever had a groin strain, it is so painful. It's tough to laugh, it's tough to you know, cough, let alone try to sprint. I was and the a, one thing you don't want
1: to, I was a carpet installer and uh, had an issue with the groin muscle, and it was hell.
5: Yeah, I mean, there's no way you can run when that's really not happy. So, I mean, you don't want to come back too soon like he tried to do last year, and he said he wanted to play this week, and he said he would, but obviously he's not. You know, you don't want to come back too soon, which is a mistake most NFL pros make. You know, his bye, he has three games, this one, two more, then the bye – And, you know, it's possible that they don't want to repeat it last year, and they just hold him out for a while. Um, So you'll just have to see when he gets back. But he's definitely at risk of uh, decreased production for the rest of the season.
1: Doc, as always, great information. Thank you very much, and we'll talk to you next week.
5: I look forward to it, Todd. Have a great week.
1: All right. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did doing it. Uh, Great information about ACLs and some of the, you know, the way the knee twists, a lot of times other things get injured. And that's what tends to cause the problems like the one Sam Bradford has now. And so I I really think for fantasy purposes, that that's going to help me a lot as I kind of focus even more on injured guys going forward, when you're hearing good news and no news and guys are on a good timeline, it means that they, that, you know, the, the the ACL's going well. But when you start hearing this or that or swelling or it, just even anything, a lot of times it's a real big red flag to keep uh, in contact with. So um, that was the doc segment and we're ready for LJ. Welcome to the show, L.J. Cheney at Pacific Scouting on Twitter. L.J., you had some pretty interesting news this week. Why don't you share it with everyone?
0: Yeah, how's it going, Todd? So, uh, I just got hooked up with a deal with uh, Optimum Scouting out of Philadelphia. Eric Galco, the uh, owner of Optimum Scouting, is the NFL and college football writer for SportingNews.com. Yeah, I just got a gig with them at the – pac 12 Mountain West Regional Area Scout, which is which is pretty cool. You know, it's 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 going to allow me to to do a lot of things that you know I set goals towards, and and it's it's going to allow me to do those types of things. You know, go to games, get get free entry into games, and and scout on a different type of level and stuff like that. So I, I'm I'm absolutely hyped. You know, and, and it's a cool deal. So you know, huge news.
1: Yeah, I uh, I couldn't be happier uh, for you. I, you know I'm a huge fan of yours, think you're going places, and this was a, a really great step. Um, as When it comes to college football, today has been, I hate to say it, a little boring, but uh, last night certainly wasn't. Oh,
0: I know, definitely. And, and I've caught a few games today, and like you said, I mean, there's, there's been a few thrillers, but nothing over the top. Uh, outside that Miami Georgia Tech game, um, but yeah, last night Clemson and Syracuse that was a that was quite the gutsy performance from Syracuse quarterback Eric Dungy. And I mean Eric Dungy, he's just he's a you know big athletic quarterback, big time arm, and he was really dealing against Clemson. And Clemson is a really really tough defense. I know one of the one of the first episodes we did, I talked about Jared Stidham. The Auburn quarterback going up against Clemson and seeing what he what he would be able to do because that's a good uh you know that's a great test for quarterbacks that are going to be translating to the next level and Jarrett Siddham wasn't too successful but then you turn this game on and Eric Dungey I mean he just he was dealing man he he made all the right uh. You know, the mental aspect of the game was there for him. You know, he made the right decisions. He was making some beautiful throws. And his stat line, he he had a pretty good stat line to finish it off. 20 for 32, 270 yards and three touchdowns in that upset. Great effort to get that first down towards the end of the game. They end up pulling that upset over Clemson, and that's a tough one. I know they lost Keller Bryant. Uh, Clemson did. So we'll see going forward where this puts them in the college football playoff race. Still a long time left uh more teams are gonna lose they still have a chance but yeah that was a that was a big one.
1: Now is Eric Dungey related to Tony Dungey?
0: Uh, I would imagine
2: they they're because possibly... I'm looking at it, was he at Oregon? Who's that? Eric? Yeah.
0: No.
1: Okay. Because Eric Dungey was, was at Oregon and he looks like a wide broke. receiver. I mean, I when I heard you mention the name uh, I looked it up, and I don't think it is this – he was the safety at Oregon, though. it got to be a different guy.
0: Well, actually, Eric Dungy is from Oregon, but
1: – Oh, no, I mean, no, no. It's spelled different. Eric Dungy is uh, D-U-N-G-U-I. My – my, you know.
0: I, I see. Well, well, what's different, though, is uh, this, this Dungy, Eric Dungy, is, uh, is from Oregon, though, Lake Oswego, Oregon. So, I mean – that's a different little i guess <laughs> puzzle piece that you're putting together there, even though it's spelled differently, but he is from Oregon, but you know goes to syracuse he's a you know he he's just he's a really productive quarterback people like the stats that he puts up he he's just he hasn't stayed healthy for the most part throughout his uh, career. I know he had a great year last year and he's a He's one of those guys that has the prototypical size, the athleticism, the arm. He's gonna. People are gonna be gushing over him. He's just gonna have to stay consistent. And you know, it's uh, he had a great game. I mean, I'll just put it that way. He uh, he had a really damn good game yesterday. And he's got the possibility to just return next year as well for his senior year. You know, he's a junior right now, so we'll see how that rolls. And then also WSU getting absolutely pummeled by Cal. That was just a, oh my god. To put it in. Mike Leach terms, they were pathetic frontrunners. And Luke Falk, just, oh, he was destroyed. Everything that came out of his hand was picked off. And it was it was a rough night for the Cougs. They're, they're toast. I wanted them to stay undefeated for the matchup against the Huskies so it would look better for the Huskies' resume. But I think regardless, if the Huskies are able to go undefeated this year, they're going to make their way into that college football playoff. But, yeah, that was a tough loss by
1: WSU. Yeah, that's too bad. Um, so uh, right now on the on the scoreboard, Alabama is cruising past Arkansas, Georgia cruising past Missouri, uh, OSU is just bitch smacking Nebraska, uh, but uh, Utah is upsetting USC.
0: Yeah, and I honestly, I honestly would not call this one too much of an upset. I mean, Utah has. I, I feel like they've sort of underperformed. Up to this point this year, and you know their their starting quarterback is out Huntley, but they're they're I mean they're set up with a with a vet.
1: Did you say Williams, Al Bundy? no,
0: right now, no Huntley. Oh <laughs> okay.
1: Because yeah, I was going to say you know he played football supposedly in high school.
0: That's <laughs> no, definitely not. Uh, but yeah, no Tyler Huntley he he is a. He was a younger quarterback. He was hes injured, but the, their backup, Troy Williams, who was a senior this year, he stepped in, and he's the one going against Sam Darnold. Of course, Sam Darnold's having another rough outing, uh, not looking like everybody's QB1 that he was coming into the season. But I, I just think, you know, Utah, they, they always play really good sound defense. Um, they match up well against certain teams, and USC just happens to be one of them. And so I wouldn't I, – you know – I, I technically wouldn't call it an upset. I get the numbers for USC, you know, their top 20 team. But Utah's just, I mean, they, they got a solid program. They're rolling. And USC, I think they've sort of been overrated all year. So, I mean, yeah, their, their it's, chances it's, are weak.
1: Yep. The, the, uh, Michigan lost last week and almost got binked again by Indiana. That was a pretty good ending.
0: Oh, I know. And, you know, I was hoping – I was hoping Indiana would pull that one out. I mean, I have nothing against Michigan. They just they have they have really good talent on the defensive side of the ball. That that's going to translate to the to the next level. But I just don't think Jim Harbaugh's got that good of a squad rolling there right now. You know, he lost a bunch of key contributors last year and they just can't they can't seem to get that quarterback position right. I mean, they're rolling with O'Corn right now as their quarterback because Wilton Spates hurt they got a younger kid in Brandon Peters, so I think it's better than both O'Corn and Spade. And then they got Christian McCaffrey's little brother, Dylan McCaffrey, who's a true freshman. But they, I think they need to make a switch right now just so they're set up for the future, you know, because the quarterbacks that they're rolling with, they're just they're not going to make a run. So, you know, I think they should sort of hand the reins over to either Brandon Peters or Dylan McCaffrey.
1: Yeah, uh, that's interesting. I didn't know there were more McCaffreys on the way. Yep.
0: He's a he's a lot bigger, a lot more, you know, Christian what was he Five eleven, two or something like that. Yep. Dylan McCaffrey's he's a lot bigger and you know, he's got the he's already sort of got that prototypical size for the quarterback position. Uh, you know, standing at six five. He is only one ninety six, mm-hmm. but I mean, he's his eighteen year old kid, that's gonna change. So I think he's gonna be a stud. He's he's has a chance to be one of the best quarterbacks in that freshman class when all said and done. So We'll see how
1: that one works out. Let's spend some time talking about the quarterback position. I'm a giant fan. Eli, you know, he got us two rings. You can't argue that. Uh, But, you know, he's always struggled with turnovers, and his arm just doesn't look the same. I know part of it is how bad the offensive line is. But sitting at 0-5, if you're a giant fan, Getting some information on the quarterbacks who might be in this draft and uh, who should be in this draft uh, might make me feel a little better about the Giants' season.
0: Yeah, I mean, so you would imagine, at the rate you guys are going, you're gonna, you're possibly get a top five pick. You would think. I, uh, you know, as things sit right now, I think Sam Darnold. I think he's gonna have to return. I think he's gonna have to return for another year. It's been – it's just – it hasn't been Sam Dur- Donald of last year, you know what I mean? He's, he's really struggled with his decision-making. Uh, you know, he's trying to press. Well, then he's the, the perfect wins.
1: replacement for Eli.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, I think he's going to have to stay another year. You know, so you're looking at the top guys. I think, you know, you're looking at Josh Rosen, Lamar Jackson, possibly Baker Mayfield, um, Mason Rudolph out of Oklahoma State, I wouldn't necessarily put Josh Allen up there, even though people are absolutely enamored with him still. So, you know, th- there is some th- some good names, some big names out there. But I, I think the top two guys currently are going to be Josh Rosen and Lamar Jackson. And uh, I think that would be so fun to see Lamar Jackson as a giant. I mean, he, you know, th- that offensive line, th- I think it's going to be deep enough this year where you guys could – grab a quarterback, and let's say Lamar Jackson, and then the second round grab an offensive tackle because there's going to be pieces like that for this year's draft to where, you know, that, that could do wonders for that team. And I think Lamar Jackson has the ability, you know, the ability within the pocket versus Eli Manning where a guy gets within, what, three yards of him and he falls down. So I think that that would be a lot of fun. All those yeah, weapons, it's, you know, it's almost Jackson,
1: Bradford-like.
0: I know it's, it's terrible. It's like, come on, man. I uh, the one that's more ob- obviously more prototypical in terms of being Eli Manning would be Josh Rosen. I've seen the, the Eli Manning comps be thrown around a ton of times about Josh Rosen. I wouldn't necessarily throw that comp out there. I get that. I get that as prospects. I like. I really like Josh Rosen. He's my QB one. You know, he just. I feel like he's got the mental aspect of the game down. He's able to really, you know. Work his reads, work the field, work his progression. He has the ability to to sort of throw defenders off, look them off, and uh, manipulate them when when he's in the pocket. He, he he maneuvers well. He's able to slip and slide and you know sidestep um, pass rushers. And he just he's got the placement, the accuracy. He can make all the throws. He's got the arm to make all the throws. I'm not saying he's got the strongest arm, but he has the ability to drive the ball to all parts of the field. So, I, I mean, I really like Josh Rosen. I think when, when when it comes down to it, Mason Rudolph, because of his intangibles, he has a chance to be up there. It's it's interesting. The the picture up top for quarterbacks by the end of the year, by draft time, is going to be so different than it was to start this year off with, uh, you know, Sam Darnold being the golden child, which no longer looks to be the case. So I think if you guys end up in the top five, you're going to be sitting pretty pretty good with either Josh Rosen or Lamar Jackson, and we'll see. We'll see what the rest comes to and when when the time comes. But I, I do I still like this class. I mean, there's some there's some studs with a ton of potential, so it's a, it's going to be a great one to monitor as, as time rolls on and as we see these guys and hear these guys declare for next year's draft.
1: Well, I do declare um, the guy that uh, that what's going to be really interesting to me is Saquon Barkley. Where he goes in the draft, you know, it just running. You know, uh, twenty years ago, he'd be the number one pick. I, I don't yeah, think exactly. there's any, there, there's any doubt that Saquon Barkley would be would have been the number one pick, you know, fifteen twenty years ago coming out of the NFL draft. Um, but it's rare you even find a running back in the top ten. Never mind going number one. Uh, what, where do you, what, what's your thoughts on where we might see Barkley go? And is there really any question still that he's the number one running back?
0: No, I don't think there's any questions. And you know, we, we've seen the trend over the last couple of years. Though, you know, you had Todd Gurley three years ago go number ten, great rookie season. You know, he popped off, was was up there in terms of rushing yards. Last year we had Zeke who led the, the league in rushing yards. This year, you have Leonard Fournette who's sitting second in, in rushing yards. These are all top ten picks in the last three years. Not to mention Christian McCaffrey going what eighth overall or ninth overall last year to the Panthers. So I think we definitely we definitely see Saquon going in the top ten, uh, top five. He almost I mean I feel like even though the the difference in how the league works now, and you can get a you can get a producer at the running back position in the seventh round, undrafted free agents, you know what I mean? But once in a while, there's that difference maker that comes around, and he, you just got to take the shot on him. I think uh, I think we do see Saquon. I know as a top five pick, uh, it'll be interesting to see which teams are there to grab him. I know uh, a lot of teams up top are going to be looking for a quarterback, so it just depends, you know, which team's sitting there. Uh, I, I would imagine, you know, the, The Brown seems like a good fit, but they're always looking for a quarterback. Maybe they try to do something different, grab one in free agency, like a Kirk Cousins, and draft Saquon towards the top. Uh, I just uh, I I do see him as a lock. I don't think there's a question about him not being the number one running back in this class, just because of how dynamic he is, the, the size, the explosion, the elusiveness, and obviously he's so natural catching the ball out of the backfield. Very natural hands adjust body skills our ball skills everything that that goes on because kid is just
1: he's dynamic
0: so yeah he, he definitely looks like a top five block
1: yeah we, we the the last couple of weeks we kind of went broad and talked about a lot of guys this week we kind of covered the quarterbacks and the and and saquon barkley another great segment in the books my friend thank you so much for being part of the show
0: yeah, perfect. Thanks, thanks, Todd. Take any have, any last a thoughts you want show. to share on today? Well, actually, yeah, I'll pop a few things off some under the radar names that that people,
1: you know, might might not have
0: seen yet. Uh, so AJ Dillon, you know this this freshman class at running back. We've talked about it my uh, whole time on this on the segment every every week. Uh, well, AJ Dillon, the kid out of um, Boston College, he absolutely popped off today. Wasn't he and the
1: manager he... of the Four Horsemen? you
0: this uh, is you're a too young to... for that. You're
1: too young for <laughs> yeah. that.
0: Yeah, I, I might be. But no, this is a, I mean, It was Rick Flair's manager
1: for a long time, I think, was AJ. Oh, Jones. yeah, see, I was,
0: into re- I was into wrestling for a little bit, but Rick Flair is a tad bit before my time. But no, uh, <laughs> AJ Dillon for Boston College, he just won bananas today. And you know, he, he hasn't been the most consistent back this year. But against Louisville, man, he went off for 272 yards and four touchdowns and looked like a next-level Leonard Fournette doing it with the power and, and the speed that he had doing it. And he's a big kid. You know, his recruiting measurements and all that stuff when he came in, he was, he was listed at 6'1", 239. And let me pull up his testing results out of high school. So his testing results last year, in high school, sitting at 6'1", 239. He ran a 454, which is bananas. What's even crazier is they got him listed at the 4.18 short shuttle, which, I mean, that's that's just insane change of direction. A 38.6 vertical jump and a 40.5 power throw, which power throw they try to translate that to the 225 uh, pound bench press. Well, he's sparked up. You know, he's a. Uh, size, speed, athletic freak, so I just think, I, I thought I should throw his name out there he is only a freshman, so we'll, we'll have a lot of time to watch this kid and see him, but I thought, I thought I'd throw this name out there just in case
1: a few of the listeners yeah, I, his performance. I felt bad because I know you prepared that segment and uh, I didn't get to it so I'm glad oh, you no. brought him up uh, and uh, next week we will uh, we will we'll go back to the more wide ranging style that we use most weeks
0: no, perfect. This was this was absolutely fine. So, uh, yeah, no, take it easy. Have a great rest of the show. I'll be
1: listening. Appreciate it, uh, LJ. All right, everyone, that's LJ Cheney. Follow him on Twitter, at Pacific Scouting. He just got that nice new gig. And now it's time to transition into the numbers. And no one better to take us through all the things going on with numbers than Matt Wispy and here's his music. Welcome like like to like the show, Matt Whistfield, Road of his uh, A friend of mine uh, does a great job every week for us on the podcast, and he is going to Take us through the numbers segment. You can find him on Twitter at wispy, the kid, Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Todd. How are you? I'm getting tired. It's been a long time. I'm getting a little tired yesterday. <laughs> I uh, I had to put my mom in a nursing home uh, about two weeks ago. And yesterday I drove two and a half hours each way and loaded up a van with her stuff. So, um, uh, I'm, I'm about starting to hit that wall, but uh, you know, we're playing hurt. Oh yeah. Well, let's
6: break through the wall. We got, I, I think we got a good article to highlight this week. I actually, uh, one of my good friends over at Rotoviz, Hassan Rahim, writes uh, every week. He writes the Buy Low report, which, despite what the name says, it's actually a Buy Low and a Sell High report. And the biggest thing he does is he uses the tools over at Rotoviz. One being the buy load machine, one being the Rotovase screener, and the secret one that a lot of people don't know about is the Rotovis Slack chat where he tries to identify some players that are players who you should be buying on the buying right now because they're either on the verge of seeing their value substantially increase or might be about to see like a mini spike in their value and right now is the cheapest time to acquire them. And uh yeah,
1: so there, he I identifies a few. I can't think of a better uh, thing this time of year. We're six weeks in. You know, pretty soon we're going to be heading to the uh, toward the end of the season, and, you know, you need to refresh your lineups, especially if you've had some injuries. So I can't wait to see uh, what you got for us. I mean, it's it's trading time right now, and these are some players
6: that you should be dealing one way or the other.
1: Um, All first right. one that so, he had... uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
6: <laughs> so the first one he had identified on the week was James White, and I know what everyone's thinking when they hear a Patriots running back. I'm not. I'm not taking a Patriots running back. Uh, Bill Belichick hates fantasy football. He just wants to ruin my team every week, and he's just going to mess with me. And that's true. He does hate fantasy football, but. He has kind of set up a pretty clear-cut role for James White. By and the way, in PPR format.
1: he also hates kittens.
6: I just thought I would he throw does. that in there. He's a jerk. Uh, so James White is the one guy in that backfield that uh, has a pretty clear-cut role. Uh, I know Gillisley has a pretty established role of I'm going to score touchdowns in bunches, but James White is the one in PPR leagues who everyone should be targeting. Uh, As it stands right now, he is leading that backfield in PPR scoring. He has 35 targets on the year. He's turned that into 29 receptions and 230 yards. Um, And he's managed to be above expectation in receiving fantasy points, and he has done this without any touchdowns on the season. So if you're – Chasing touchdowns, he may not be the guy, but he's one of those guys that's consistently going to give you running back to value if for no other reason than they're throwing the ball at him. Um, and his schedule on the up, uh, in the next few weeks, so what Hassan did this week is he kind of isolated the next four weeks as his buy range, put in the buy low screener, said he wants the running back position, and actually the third easiest schedule over that time period is New England, and so they're going to get the Jets, Atlanta, and the Chargers. And at least in one of those games, it's probably going to be a pretty high-scoring bout with uh, Atlanta, and that might be a game where they have to use the James White role pretty heavily if they want to keep the ball moving through the air. That makes sense. And so, and then, like I said, he does have this pretty clear-cut role, and you may not think – um, of this running back and a tri- being the traditional running back thought, and he's not. But he does. He has as much of a role as any of their wide receivers. He's actually second in the team in target share, um, sitting at 18% of total targets, and that's 35 targets. The only uh, anybody, the only other person on the team that has any targets more than him would actually be Chris Hogan with 37 that's more than Gronkowski, he's more than Brandon Cooks, he's more than Amendola. He's one of those guys that you're going to get about seven targets per game, and if you're getting that for a wide receiver, you're pretty thrilled. And if you're going to get that from a running back who's getting them at short enough distance that you can convert them into the quick and easy fantasy points, he's the guy that you should be looking at.
1: Yep, I like it. Who's next?
6: Uh, Next on the list is is Elijah McGuire. And when you say there's a guy that's super easy to acquire, it's Elijah McGuire. He does have this one-week spike in value because he's kind of the clear-cut guy this week against New England in a relatively solid matchup. But it's worth noting that that team is probably going to come back to earth. They do have the three wins now, but I think most people would expect their eventual goal is that they're going to go younger and they're going to try and look forward more than try and win now. And if that's the case, then they've already shown uh, an unlikeliness to use below Powell as their lead running back. They have already started to slow down on the workload for Matt Forte, even when he was healthy. Um, And McGuire's the guy that's their rookie. And in his little bit of work, he's been just as effective as Powell in the rushing game. He's averaging – 6.6 6.6 rushing, or he had 6.6 rushing fantasy points over expectation, and then he's, while he's lower than expected points in receiving, he's already better than uh, below Powell. He has only negative 0.9 compared to Powell's negative 7.4. So in his little bit of usage, he's actually shown a pretty decent potential, and if they start to put him in there a little bit more each week he could be a guy that's an interesting guy to own late in the season when they're starting to maybe not worry about winning games as much and he's one of those guys that may rack up points for you
1: great um i noticed that the next guy you had on your list is a ppr monster
6: it it is a ppr monster it's uh jarvis landry and He shouldn't be cheap to acquire ever. He really shouldn't be. But he's one of those guys that people are going to consistently undervalue. Um, When his team is, he's actually one of the few players that actually really benefits from his team being bad. Uh, In his career, when his team is losing, uh, he's actually averaging about four PPR points per game better than when they're winning. And he's averaging two and a half extra receptions per game. His touchdowns are always going to be low. He's he's never going to in his career, he's never been a high touchdown guy. And but the thing that's worth noting about him is that he's not really affected by that because his value really is in the yards and the uh the volume. So while he's not going to be the ex, the exciting guy that's going to put up a 30-point week, he's the one that's consistently going to put up 15 points a week and he's going to be that wide receiver two fringe wide receiver one guy that
1: is a super important asset and yeah that, uh, again you oh. that's great information on him and especially with Jay Cutler playing so bad um you know you can pick up these Dolphins assets pretty cheaply
6: yeah and i i mean like i said they were they're He's better when they're losing. They've got Atlanta, the Jets, Baltimore, and Oakland. And in your head, you might be thinking, well, the Jets, Baltimore, and Oakland aren't really that great night right now. Why do we think they're going to be losing? Well, they've already lost to the Jets. Baltimore is, we don't really know, but they've shown a propensity to beat teams that are awful. Um, and Oakland at that point, Derek Carr, might be healthy-ish or healthier-er. And they're probably going to be beating them as well. So all of those are schemes where he could be potentially behind, and that favors him. And it our Rotoviz by loth points to them as
1: the eighth easiest schedule over the next four four weeks.
6: Um, yep. And while and a lot you, of people
1: are, so. if you get a Rotoviz right. pass, these tools that uh, Matt mentions every week, um, you can go to Matt's um, Twitter ha- page. And you can click through Matt, and um, it, you know get a road of his past. There's, uh, and you can do do this kind of research every week. Correct, Matt?
6: Correct. I I probably tweet out like fourteen or fifteen links to road his articles and road
1: of uh, tools every week. And I cut you off a little, so finish up on Landry.
6: And so the last thing I wanted to say is basically everyone looks at Devontae Parker as the exciting guy because they see him as the touchdown guy. They see him as the one that's most likely to break out. And we've all been looking for him to become the true wide receiver one in Miami since he was drafted. But Landry this year leads the team in targets, catches, target share, weighted opportunity rating, and yards after catch. So while it's easy to look for greener pastures with Parker, just quietly take Landry who – the owner, while he's probably happy with him, is probably easier to part with.
1: Yeah, and and Landry, you know, Parker's definitely played better. I I, I, I really believe that. Um, and, you know, it's a shame that Jay Cutler is just playing so badly. Mm-hmm. I would All agree. Right.
6: I, I, Go ahead. Yeah. No, you're good. I, I was just going to say I completely agree with your sentiment.
1: Yep because uh you know and and he's checking down to Landry, and you know Cutler has this history of being a gunslinger, and he really hasn't shown it this year, yeah, he just has his pouty face <laughs> smoking Jay Cutler going to be smoking jay Cutler. yep you, you know I, and they say he's going to be an analyst i I'm going to make a prediction that he's going to be no Tony Romo as an analyst. I He's going to be more of an analyst than an analyst. I mean, we've all seen that picture, right? (laughs) Well, I wasn't even going there. Uh, I've I've, uh, hermetically sealed that image uh, out of my brain. Um, So let's go on to the cells. The first guy uh, is not Father Time, but he hung out with Father Time in high school, Frank Gore.
6: And so uh, Frank Gore and cockroaches are going to be the only thing that ever survives a nuclear apocalypse. They're, he's probably going to be walking for the rest of his life. But it is worth noting that Marlon Mack has started to emerge a little bit. He had a pretty big game last week, despite only having four carries against the 49ers. And even Chuck Pagano has started to say that Marlon Mack is going to see more workload. Um, and over the next four or yeah, the next four weeks, Indianapolis actually faces the third toughest schedule for running backs. And if you're looking to sell him, this is probably one of the last chances because they have Tennessee, whose defense isn't good, but it is questionable. I I mean, it is, it's not going to be easy for him to put up a big fantasy day. He's got Jacksonville, which has, it's allowed running backs, but I think they're Jedi mind tricking people into not running the ball and then Cincinnati and Houston. And while he could potentially see um, some success against those teams, it is expected that his workload is going to come down. So if you've got an owner in your league who's looking for a guy who they think has some type of guaranteed workload, this is a guy to sell him to because his value is probably on the downward.
1: Yep. The next one is – one that um, you're probably hoping that you didn't buy, but if you did, yeah. you want to be selling the New York Giants running backs.
6: And so, uh, like you said, this may not be a sell as much as it is a complete, complete fade. They don't have a, an easy schedule for the rest of it. And the Giants running back group is a full-blown committee whether it's Orleans Darqua, whether it's Wayne Gallman, whether it's Shane Vereen, they're not, you're not going to have a clear cut answer. Even this isn't even as bad. Like the Patriots are easier to figure out than the Giants. And while we think that Goleman should
1: eventually. (laughs) I mean, it's ridiculous that they're not playing Shane Vereen more. um, It's, it's just ridiculous. I, I don't want to talk about that anymore, so I'm gonna move on to the next one. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that uh as a giant fan, I uh I I think that the whole situation is um so we will move on from that explosion to the last name on your list who um, I think makes a ton of sense to try and sell if you can. Who do you got?
4: So the
6: last name is actually, this is a, a name to avoid or get rid of now before the playoff run hits. And that's Larry Fitzgerald. And this this one probably is going to sting a little bit to make the trade because you may actually have to sell for a player who's currently performing worse than him. Um, but Fitzgerald is a guy that tends to fade on that last stretch of the year. So if you look at his uh, splits from 2014 through 2016, over the breaking it out for the first 10 weeks, um, he actually drops about seven PPR points per game, and he loses a full reception over that stretch. I don't, it, it, you can't completely isolate down whether that's him fading, whether it's the quarterback play getting worse, but over the past three seasons, he has been markedly worse over that, over those last games. And it's, it's more than a small sample size. It's actually a 19 game sample size that he's seen such a pretty steep decline. And And he hasn't gotten any younger. He he's, I I mean, it's fair to say he's gotten older.
1: Um,
6: (laughs) And when you, (laughs) and when you pair that with the fact that he's actually looking at a pretty rough schedule down the stretch with games against Seattle Games against Houston or game against Houston, Jacksonville. Who, while their run defense is is weird, um, they've got um, Jalen Ramsey. They've got AJ Bouye in that secondary, and it's really solid of a pass defense. Um, so they've actually got, uh, according to our screener, the seventh most difficult matchups over that over the ten to sixteen stretch. So if you're hoping that Larry Fitzgerald is going to be a solid wide receiver 16, which is where he currently sits in PPR. He's probably going to see a little decline over that stretch. And if you can sell him off at a high end wide receiver two value, do it. <laughs> it, sound, it yep. It's sound. it's going to, like I said, it, it's going to hurt a little bit, but he's probably a guy to get off your roster. And it, it, it's just, it's probably the time to pull the trigger. So when you start to see the opportunity, Jump all over it.
1: Well, and some of the guys that you mentioned in the buy low, James White, you might be able to get for fits. You might be able to, you oh. certainly should be able to get Elijah Maguire. You might be able to get Jarvis Landry. So this was a really great segment. Uh, what do you think about, you know, you did this whole beautiful sheet um, that we worked off of. Maybe tweet that sheet out because uh, I think the people would like to see it.
6: Yeah, I I will tweet out both this sheet and uh, a link to uh, Hassan's article because Hassan does a a really nice job every week to uh, lay out a very clear cut argument for every one of his picks. And he's hit on several of these guys on early sales. He'll tell you to ignore the week one article, or yeah, the week one article where he told you to sell Kareem Hunt.
1: But other than that, (laughs) he's kind of spotted. He's oh, been, man, he's that, been ahead of the curve on several. Yeah, no one's perfect, but that one—that one—that's one that, one, uh, that's one that you, you know. All you can do is laugh at. Matt, thanks so much for doing it. You can find Matt on Twitter again at Wispy the Kid. Matt, you just keep getting better. Uh, really appreciate you being part of the show. Thanks, Dad. All right, that leads us to our defense segment with Dominic Petrillo uh, at Envision on Twitter. Uh, hopefully I got that right. Dom, did I get that right? Uh, envision, envision FF. FF. Yep. Um, you, 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 another guy who's been bringing it every week. Uh, he's definitely got some skin in the game. And this week, that uh, that pays off because his uh, his first choice is the Washington Redskins.
4: Yeah, I just think that, you know, being that San Francisco's coming all the way across the country, you know, these West Coast teams tend not to travel well. Plus, they were already halfway across the country last week. So, it's not like they're coming off a home game or anything. They're just, you know, they're going to be tired. And I think that Washington coming off the bye week and how they played in the game against Oakland, I think they could, you know, and as bad as Oakland's playing right now, they're definitely better than San Francisco is. And they were able to hold them down. So I think they should be able to hold, you know, Hoyer down and Garcon and whoever else they want to have there, Kittles and Bits and, you know, so they should be able to hold them down.
1: Yeah, I I'm Josh saying and I... Kittle this week. I mean, if he's going to have some ownership, and it looks like he will, um, I'll take a chance that he doesn't have a good game. In general, you want to uh, – it's been proven, Chris Rabon, TJ Hernandez, talk about it a lot that if you, you know, these tight ends tend to score better uh, at home. Uh, but um, I, I really like the call on the Redskins. This is a tough week for defense, but um, and on DraftKings, because the next defense you want to talk about isn't on the main slate. If it was, and you needed Dominic to tell you to play these guys this week, uh, maybe you're in the wrong uh Hobby or um you know interest or profession if you're a professional d f s player um the denver broncos what- well, uh, you know i mean, gosh, this is the spot of spots you would think,
4: yeah, you would think i mean who does you know you're i just heard you talking you know to wisby about the you know the running backs in you know, with the Giants and Denver actually knows how they go against the running backs this year. They're number one against the running backs right now. You know, plus now everybody knows for the past, you know, three or four years how good their cornerbacks and secondary is. You know, and now the Giants have nobody to even play against them. You know, their four receivers are all out with Shepard being out this week. So now you have Roger Lewis, who I did find out is not related to the 1990s comedian Richard Lewis. And you know, you have Evan Ingram. So, I mean, Ingram may be a good play here in a spot only because he's, you know, the only person on the offense now. But other than that, you're not going to get a lot out of this Giants offense. And that's, a, you know, definitely a good spot for Denver, especially if you're playing on, like, Vandal and they are part of the main slate. You know, you can throw them in there, but they are you're going to have to try and save some money somewhere else because they're
1: going to be the highest price on Vandal. So. I mean it I've never I've been watching football since 1969 and I cannot think of a game where a team lost their top four wide receivers in a game, three of them for the whole season I, I mean it, it's just insanity and there's you know if if you you know i I'm not a big believer in loading up on defenses in DFS. There, there's just too much variance. You know, I, I typically top out at around 30% on a defense. Uh, but uh, I, I think you could make a case for going 80% Broncos if you're playing a slate that has them. Um, the next uh, team that you have, I, I really like the the explanation that you've given. Um, it's, it's in depth. It's really, really good. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons.
4: Yeah, they're playing the Dolphins.
1: You know, that's pretty much the explanation.
4: <laughs> yeah, you know, he wrote,
1: are the- <laughs> Dom wrote, the Dolphins suck. You know, normally yep. I get like a paragraph or sometimes even two paragraphs on what he wants to talk about. For this one, he just wrote, the Dolphins suck.
4: Well, they, you know, they do. It's just as simple as that. <laughs> oh, I'm not arguing horses, the you know-
1: truthfulness. It's just oh, yeah.
4: hilarious. <laughs> just based, you know, that. Based on pretty much every metric you can, you know, look at, they have the worst offense in the league. You know, I'm waiting for Jay Cutler to actually just give up in the middle of a drive and just walk off the field or whatever. And you know, it looks like he's done that a couple of times. Like they were saying on I, the I, on the I, broadcast. I think
1: that the, I think they want to, you know, like if that, you know, I think he would, Gase would consider benching him for like mm-hmm. parts of last week. And I thought to myself, if he benches Cutler, Cutler will go to the locker room, pack his shit, and go home. And that'll be the end of oh, it. Yeah. So it, it's like a situation where, you know, as long as the playoffs are somewhat of a consideration, you can't bench this guy. He'll
4: quit. Yeah, and that's the worst part. I think, you know, Matt Moore might be a better option for them even to try and get to the playoffs. But, you I know, with too. Cutler making and $10 million, not going to be able to do it.
1: Yeah, I don't get it. I, I I don't know, you know, I don't know why everyone hates Matt Moore um, because mm-hmm. when he plays, you know, he looks like a guy who's not that bad. No, he plays solid. He's been there
4: for a number of years now. You know, he knows the offense way better than Cutler does. You know, like I said, I'm waiting for Jay Cutler to pull, I don't know if you remember the movie The, uh, the, re- the Replacements, but I'm waiting for him to, you know, pull a, kicker from their placements in the last game where he came out to kick a field goal with a cigarette in his mouth. And he's like, all right, I'm ready he Just flip the cigarette out on the field and kick the ball. <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah. It's crazy. Let's get, uh, you know, and the Falcons get their injured players back. I think it's a good call. Next team up is uh, the Ravens.
4: Yeah. They're playing the bears, you know, Trubisky's first game on the road and You know, just see what happens. They lost Wheat, and he's going to be out for at least a couple weeks. Uh, I believe they released Tompkins, so now they really have no receivers. You know, Zach Miller could be a good play in this because he's the only one they have. You know, it's basically going to be the Zach Miller show, along with Cohen and uh, Howard. You know, and Howard obviously can't catch the ball, never could, never will. You know, Cohen can, but they don't seem to be using him as much now with the three-headed monster back there. Using, you know, Cunningham more, and I just think that with the Ravens defense as good as they played last week in Oakland, you know, now they're back home. I think they, they could dominate the bears and it's not going to be a high scoring game. So they're, you know, the Ravens are probably going to run the ball a lot as well. So, you know, it's going to be low scoring. It's going to be low possession. So it's not going to be as many chances for either team to score in this game. That's why I like the bears as a sleeper defense also.
1: Yeah. It's hard to argue. Um, Yep, and uh, we'll get – yeah, the Bears are your sleeper defense since you brought them up. Why don't you talk about why you like them this week?
4: Well, basically just for the same converse reasons I like the Ravens, it's going to be low-possession game. It's not going to be one of these games where, you know, each team has nine or ten possessions. They're probably, you know, going to be less than that most likely. They're going to both have to run the ball because, you know, they the Ravens have Mike Wallace and Macklin who don't give you much confidence right now. Neither of them are playing that well. They, you know, they're going to run the ball out. They don't have West this week, but I think it's going to be a big week for Javorius Allen. I think Alex Collins will get in there a little bit, but they're going to try and slow the game down, just like the Bears are going to try and do with their rushing. So, you know, the least the less amount of possessions you have, the least amount or the less amount that the team's going to be able to score. And, you know, that's where you, if you get a shutout and you get low points, you're going to get points there. Plus, they can get in there. And they actually played pretty good against Minnesota on Monday night. I know now they're coming off a short week, but they did look half-decent against Minnesota. And I know Minnesota doesn't have a good defense, but neither does the Ravens, so it's kind of the same situation.
1: Yeah, I agree. The last team is one of my favorites of the week, the Jacksonville Jaguars.
4: Yeah, the Rams were just exposed last week. I mean, everybody loves that they're still the top you know, scoring team in the league, but it came against Washington before their defense really – started clicking, you know, came against the 49ers and the Colts, you know, which we know what the Colts were the, coming into the season without Andrew Luck. When they finally did play their first good defense last week in Seattle, they couldn't do anything, which, you know, part of it was because for some reason they decided to try and throw the ball on the defense instead of running the ball, which is, you know, what you should do against Seattle. But even when they did try and run the ball, you know, Todd Gurley fumbled and they were giving Tavon Austin a lot of run and stuff. And I just think that, the fact that now they're finally playing good defenses, and Jacksonville is a good defense. They have the top-ranked pass defense in the league. So they're going to try and run the ball, and that doesn't lead to a whole lot of points. Unless Crowley actually does something, he's going to get volume, but you have to see what he does with it. So I just think Jacksonville being at home, you know, they have 20 sacks so far on the year. They just picked off Big Ben five times last week with two pick-sixes. So if Golf does try and throw the ball, I think they could get a couple of interceptions from him. They could get a you know, I think they probably could get three or four turnovers in this game, plus some sacks. So I think it's a good matchup against the Rams, again, coming across country. But with at least with them, with the Rams, it's going to be an afternoon game for them still. So it's not going to be too bad for them, but they're still flying all the way across country.
1: Yep, I agree. I think you got a really great list, and uh, you do a great job each week. Thanks so much, Dom.
4: Thank you very much. You have a great one.
1: All right, that's going to do it for our show. We're going to leave with a song tonight by NFL Films. Um, uh, One of the late games, when you try and win a million dollars, whether you're a Amara Cooper guy, whether you're a Keenan Allen guy, whoever you've got in the late game, um, it it is that Raiders game. So we're going to leave you with uh, the autumn wind is a Raider from NFL films. Good night, everyone.